This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Before beginning here, I just want to, as I always do, I want to thank my corporate sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself and the content that we bring to you of each week. I also wish to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show, you can eventually find the link for each guest who I showcase on a weekly basis, also on my host page, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. So who is my phenomenal guest today? Well, my guest is a gentleman by the name of Evan Carmichael. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. Evan believes in entrepreneurs. At 19, he built, then sold, a biotech software company. At 22, he was a venture capitalist helping raise 500000 to $15 million. He now runs the biggest YouTube channel for entrepreneurs with 1 million-plus subscribers. He breathes and bleeds entrepreneurship. He aims to help 1 billion entrepreneurs and unlock human potential. He has set two world records, uses a stand-up desk, rides a Vespa, raises funds for Kiva, wears five-toe shoes, and created entrepreneur trading cards. He speaks globally, but Toronto, hashtag entertainment city, is home. He loves being married, his son, salsa dancing, DJing, League of Legends, and the Toronto Blue Jays. He's the author of Your One Word, The Powerful Secret to Building a Life and Business That Matter, and the Top 10 Rules for Success, Rules to Succeed in Business, and Life from Titans, Billionaires and Leaders Who Changed the World. Wow, what a repertoire. Welcome to the show, Evan. How are you, our friend? I'm awesome, Lisa. It's time to live fearlessly. It is time to live fearlessly, and clearly you've been doing that for decades. So congratulations on all your success, all your momentous growth, your accolades, and everything that you're doing to pay it forward and to be of service, particularly in the realm of fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, Congratulations. That's just amazing what you've managed to accomplish in such a short period of time. So Everybody who follows me, and I'm very grateful for that, knows that my style and format for interviewing is unscripted. But the one typical question that I do start off with uh, at the beginning is I'm always interested in the inception of my guest journey. So when did you first know, Evan, that you were intended or meant or wired and had the DNA in which to become an entrepreneur and that you embodied that spirit? So I think I had a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies growing up. Uh, I made my first 10 cents when I was five, and I I drew a little (laughs) picture with my sister and sold it to my neighbor. But entrepreneurship, you know, I'm 38 right now. Entrepreneurship wasn't a thing when I was growing up. And so I thought I wanted to be a banker. And my high school yearbook says, you know, where are you going to be in 10 years? I said VP at some bank. 
So right. I, I, I had all those tendencies. I did baseball cards and, you know, cut my, my chops doing that, you know, negotiating over 25 cents with people three, four times my age. Um, but when I got to university, I was going down that corporate path and I connected with two entrepreneurs who had a business and they asked me to join as an owner. And one of the most difficult decisions I ever had to make in my life was deciding between the 80 to 100K starting job, flying around the world versus making $300 a month as a startup <laughs> entrepreneur. And uh, because of something that happened the year before, I just decided I wasn't going to live with regret. I could live with the failure, but I couldn't live with not knowing. And so I had to give my shot at it. And uh, fortunately, I haven't had to go back since. Beautiful. Well, you've hit upon something that I think is very pivotal there because, of course, I think one of the essential core ingredients uh, in order for somebody to be an entrepreneur, uh, and not just for namesake, but to really take the journey seriously and all that's invested and required to really get it going vertical, is you do have to fundamentally, right out of the gate, you have to be willing to take that risk and to not uh, be anticipating a guaranteed paycheck. And so the fact that you, at a very young age, were clear enough within yourself, believed in yourself, trusted enough and were willing to put yourself out there to see where this might bloom and blossom for yourself, um, you took that gamble. And I think that really is a core essential ingredient for an entrepreneur because if you don't have that tenacity, if you don't have that gumption or that grit, I don't think for somebody like yourself or anybody else who aspires to be an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you've got to continuously put yourself out there. And when you put yourself out there, you're certainly opening yourself up for criticism, failure, uh, critics, naysayers, the whole shebang. So good for you. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And so a few things going back to the bio that I would be very, uh, as I'm sure the listeners would be too, interested in knowing more about, Evan, is first of all, what are the two held world records that you hold? Oh, sure. So first off, we created the world's largest QR code. And so uh, I'm connected with this uh, organization here in my hometown of Toronto that helps uh, inspire and educate entrepreneurs who are Basically coming from really impoverished neighborhoods in Toronto, uh, Young and Finch um, is one of the areas and a couple others where it's just, you know, it hasn't, it's not, not the greatest area neighborhood. And so we were doing a fundraising event to build the world's largest QR code. So we took over a soccer field and uh, basically put these pieces together in hopes of raising money for the organization to help then go out and continue uh, funding these programs to help uh, these entrepreneurs in impoverished nations and uh, nation cities, uh, part of our city, and just mm-hmm. trying to give them away off the street. Uh, so that was one. And the second one was the world's largest uh, mentoring event, also held here in my hometown of Toronto, where I was one of the mentors. And they, we basically did speed mentoring, where they had, I forget how many people, something like 1,500 mentors and 1,500 mentees. And we mm-hmm. sat with them for, for two minutes each on a speed round going through so it's it's hard to get to know somebody in two minutes and give them some <laughs> advice but uh, but again it was it was it was done as a fundraising event to try to raise money for an organization that was trying to um, provide mentorship for entrepreneurs so they're both entrepreneur focused uh, and were used for fundraising um, efforts amazing fantastic and so when were those world records established and are they still held I, I imagine they would be because they're quite unique in nature uh, I have no idea. I honestly spend very little time looking back. So I, I uh-huh. always butcher dates going backwards. I think it was like two years ago, but it was really five. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and so I have no idea. I mean, sure, we could look it up, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. And if they still stand, I don't, I don't know either. But at the time, they were world records. Well, regardless, that's fantastic. That's quite the feat. And yet another feat I want to segue into here is what a lofty goal, your intention of wanting to serve and help one billion entrepreneurs. Now, we know that your YouTube channel, which I have been following long before you and I ever got to the point of discussing you coming on radio and me showcasing you, it's off the charts. So you already have a huge following. Uh, but one billion, where are you within that scale? And why one billion? And what is it ex- uh, specifically that you wish to do in, in order to assist one billion entrepreneurs? Right. So I don't track that goal. Um, it's not how many views I have my YouTube channel. You know, if we did it by that, we have a we have a couple hundred million already, so we're we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason here's what I want to do. I don't believe in setting five year goals. I mm-hmm. think if you set a five year goal for yourself, then you're thinking small. I think to know what you could be in five years is is uh, really thinking small for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I do is I set a lifetime goal. So I'm trying to I'm trying to solve the world's biggest problem, untapped human potential. Like it's never going to happen. I don't want to reach a billion entrepreneurs. I never want it to happen, but I'm chasing it. So there's always this big goal that I'm chasing after. And what it does is inspire me to do work that it, that has the ability to have scale. So why do I do a YouTube channel? Because it gives me scale. Coming on radio shows, it gives me scale. Writing books gives me scale. It means I don't do uh, one-on-one coaching with entrepreneurs because it's, it's one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have goals for what I'm doing in the next couple months. And then I have my lifetime goal of wanting to help a billion entrepreneurs and solve the world's biggest problem and nothing in between. Fantastic. And so in terms of you having identified, you know, tapping into unfulfilled potential, what in your experience, whether it be as a speaker and talking to the audience of people who have come to hear you speak or within your books, feedback, testimonials, other radio podcast discussions, interviews you've had, client sessions, etc. What do you find is the common thread in terms of what that block is that impedes people from untapping, unleashing, unearthing, and birthing their potential? Uh, it usually comes down to judgment and environment. Mm-hmm. We, are, we aren't afraid of failing. We're afraid of failing in front of somebody else. And so you end up locking you like you'll sing you'll sing in the shower all day long and suck at it but you won't fall in the street <laughs> and do it right i mean or maybe you're a great singer i will sing in the shower and suck at it but be afraid to go and sing on the street corner right so it's not the idea of failing that is terrifying it's if you're feeling and somebody watching you fail that that's the terrifying part and so we uh by default play small don't do don't chase our dreams don't do the thing that makes us different and unique uh, because we're afraid of what people will think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think the environment really makes a difference too. I think people are a product of their environment. Like people listen to this show. Anybody who listens to Lisa regularly, you will start to live a little more fearlessly. Like it will just happen because Lisa is in your environment. Thank where, you. Well, it's just going to happen, right? And so True. like if you choose, if you if you make a conscious choice over who you're going to surround yourself with, you know, growing up, it, it's just your parents and your friends and whoever your friends, you know, the parents' friends are, and they have a big influence over you. But now, especially with, with the internet and radio shows and YouTube channels, you get access to the world. And so now you can make a conscious choice to say, I don't want to live my parents' version of my life. I want to live my version. And I'm going to learn from Lisa, who's going to help me do it, and other thought leaders to help me do it, and the guests that you bring on to help me do it. 
Uh, and so I think people settle too soon. I think people people say that you know pasta is their favorite food before they've tried other food. I think people go and you know become an accountant because they tried three jobs and the accountant was the one that paid the most, so they become an accountant. Where mm-hmm. I believe everybody has Michael Jordan level talent at something, and it's your duty and obligation to find it, embrace it, and use it to make a difference. Love it, and I I totally wholeheartedly subscribe to that one hundred percent. Um, and that's something I've actually said on radio, uh, regardless, because we talk about a lot of yummy stuff. But I oftentimes do say, uh, you know, it's our inherent birthright in which to maximize not only this gift and miracle we call life, but knowing that there is a purpose for all of us. Some of us may not be clear as to what that is, um, but I do believe we are here to do more than just merely exist. We're here to survive no, and beyond surviving. We're here to thrive and to flourish and I think some of what you've outlined in the beginning at the top of the hour as far as you know why do people get immobilized in fear when it comes to uh, unleashing and, and tapping into their hidden potential it's because as you say people are scared to fail publicly mm-hmm. um, clearly for you being at the echelon of where you are and continue to go and being very honed in your mindset and very clear on your purpose and your mission um, you would have had to have gotten out of your way a long time ago and certainly getting uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. But also being a human being and knowing that we do experience a myriad of emotions for whatever different reasons or circumstances present themselves in our lives, I'm sure even as successful as what you are and as self-disciplined as what you are, there's probably times that you come up against the wall and go, okay, this is something I've got to recalibrate in my thinking here or I've got to get back to grassroots with you know, what I fundamentally believe in because I'm feeling a little derailed at the moment. What are some of the things that sometimes you have to make more of a, cons- um, uh, a conscientious effort to remain uh, steadfast in the trajectory of your journey here, Evan? I really love that you said conscientious because I think we subconsciously by default play small. Yeah. I think every human being can do great things, but by default, we all play small. And I think I'm still playing small compared to what I could be doing. And so what I try to do is whenever I catch myself playing small, it's taking the opposite action. The, mm-hmm. the tricky part is catching it. So as an example, you know, I've got some, I've got a headset on here being able to talk to you to make this show great. Uh, I wear my headset when I'm walking down the street and I put on a song that I really like and it's this quiet street. And so I'm really dancing big. I'm dancing on the street <laughs> and then I get to a busy intersection and I notice that my dancing starts getting really small because mm. there's lots of people around. Mm-hmm. And I caught it and said, why am I dancing small? Like I- I'm not offending anybody with my dancing. I'm not, I'm not preaching to them that they need to go and dance. If anything, it's entertaining or something funny to laugh at. And so the minute I caught it, then I had to dance even bigger than I would normally. And not getting, not getting anybody's face, just myself on a busy street corner dancing like a maniac. <laughs> Which is great. The challenge is, though, how many times did I get to that busy street and just dance small and never catch it? Mm, I love so, that. Right? I caught it. That one in maybe like 400 times that I've done that. And so that's a trick. I think most of the time we just sleepwalk through life. We play small by default and never even notice it. And so I think it's really important that when you do have those moments of noticing it, then you have to take action because – In that moment is when you set your identity as either I am the kind of person who when I feel the fear, I do it, or I'm the kind of person who when I feel the fear, I cower down. And Mm -hmm. the more you 
the more you take the same action, the more you stay consistent with it. And so a lot of people are are setting these ambitious goals for themselves to go and change the world and create these big companies and write novels and whatever your ambitious goal is, but you're afraid to dance on the street. Very true. You, you, Very you're true. Like, there's no way you're going to go off and do that crazy big thing. It's going to invite tons of ridicule and tons of criticism if you can't do something as small as dancing on the street. And so the trick is anytime you can catch it, then you have to do it. Then you have to do that thing that you're afraid of because it sets that identity that I'm the kind of person who faces my fears and fights through them. Well, if you want to play a bigger game, Evan, I would uh, challenge you to go dancing in the street naked. (laughs) (laughs) See, now that might actually be offensive to somebody. (laughs) Oh, well. Vibe attracts tribe, not your tribe. Right. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. So, you know, in terms of honing to be again to be successful and to be operating at the level in which you are you have to be very very self-disciplined uh you know because you're responsible for micromanaging yourself you're responsible for meeting your outcomes your results oriented you want to keep the momentum going you got to show that there's new content uh that you're vibing with the people who are obviously engaging with you so there's it's it's you know very methodical but it's also very much coming from your heart um but what are some of the defined, redefined, or invented habits that you've had to hone to make this all sing for yourself? So I think first off, if you study anybody who's had success, we maybe profiled more people than definitely anybody on YouTube, but maybe online, mm-hmm. uh, the common thread is they're doing the thing that they love. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to be disciplined when you love the work that you're doing. There, there is a love and attachment to the process of doing the work and not just the end result of it. Right. So if you don't like interviewing people, don't be a radio show host. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can you could discipline yourself all you want, but you won't win doing work that you hate. You will give up. So you've got to find work that you love uh, just as a starting point. Anybody who's had success, if you hate your job, you hate what you're doing, then then switch immediately and go find something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, I think the I think the environment you create for yourself also really helps so that you're not always reliant on the habits because a lot of times your habits might let you down. Mm-hmm. So your physical environment really helps. So on my wall, I have a picture of my parents. I have a picture of Steve Jobs and Howard Schultz and E.P. Janini and Kanye West. Like I walk into this office and the, the, the office has been designed with intent to make me feel belief every Beautiful. day. So you set it up once and then it automatically triggers you every day. So the, the environment you create for yourself is important. Another example, like how often do you have your show, Lisa? Every Friday. Every fr- and, and people can subscribe and they get notifications. Yep, absolutely. Right. So, so if you just – if you are worried about living in fear constantly and you just subscribe to Lisa's show and every Friday you're going to get a notification, you don't have to do anything. After, you don't have to remember to go to Lisa's channel. It's now in your environment, right? You don't have to remember to do it. It's a trigger that all you have to do is listen to the show. You're going to pick up some advice on how to live fearlessly, which is what you want to do. Now, if you don't want to live fearlessly, don't listen to the show. But if it's what you want to do, like <laughs> this is the best thing for you, right? He was like, I love living in fear. You, you know, you and Lisa will not get along. This is not going to be a great show for you, right? But if it's what, so I, I'm a big believer in trying to set up uh, triggers and things in your environment so that mm-hmm. If every Friday I get that email and there's a new show from Lisa, it makes it super easy. I don't have to consciously do anything because I think consciously we play small by default. So I'm setting these things up so that I can succeed. Um, Apart from that, then getting into the habits, I think doing 
the thing in the morning. I think setting up our morning routine is really important. I think most people wake up like an accident. I think I think most people wake up and they hit the snooze button. Mm-hmm. And and what is a snooze button? Forget about the fact that pressing the snooze button is actually worse for your sleep and there's tons of scientific data to prove that. What are you doing when you hit the snooze button? You set a goal for yourself the night before. I'm going to wake up at 7 o'clock or whatever time. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that you start your day with is I am not going to hit my goal. Yes. <laughs> That's how you start your morning. Yes. You're, you think you're going to go off and build a huge company or write the next best-selling book where you can't even get out of bed? Right. Right. So it's like it's just cascades down this negative spot. And so um, I think it's great to have ambitious goals. It's now are you are your actions and is your schedule mapping to you accomplishing those goals? Hitting the snooze button won't help you get there. And so what I would suggest is uh, whenever you set a goal, you have to do it. Absolutely. I'm going to wake up this time, even if you had, you know, you were vomiting all night and you had the worst night ever. You still wake up at that seven o'clock just to show yourself that you can't Been just there. to build that identity. <laughs> right. That's, yes. And, and you're will... absolutely right. I attest to that a hundred percent. And in fact, Evan, you know, I used to be once upon a time, I'd say there's never enough hours in a day. Now it's morphed into there's never enough days in the week. And so because probably will never see an eighth day added to the calendar. I've created that for myself by simply waking up three to four hours earlier every morning prior to the the waking up of my children. And you times that by seven because most entrepreneurs, if you're serious, you're working seven days a week regardless of your other responsibilities and commitments. Um, So that's how I give myself an eighth day to get stuff done. Yeah, and it's interesting how many people, uh, people in my audience will say, hey, do I need to sleep? Like, do I need to wake up an hour early? Forget about three, just an hour. And even before I give up on sleep, I'd say audit what you're – so Lisa is a hardworking, productive person all day long. But for most people who are listening or at least paying attention to my videos, if I came into your schedule and saw how you were living your life for the 16 hours that you are awake, there's easily a couple hours in there that are just wasted dead time. Yeah. And so for me, before defaulting to giving up sleep, I look at what are you doing during the day? Audit your Mm -hmm. schedule. There's a ton of wasted time there that should be improved first. Absolutely. Well, and the thing is, too, you know, if you're always aspiring to play a bigger game and to level up, it's not about just keeping up with the consistency of the output. You have to be proactive. So if you know you're putting out a weekly newsletter, you have to have that intro that paragraph if you know that you know people are counting on the consistency of the timing of when your podcast is being calibrated and uploaded you know people become very centered around your own identified and adopted habits so uh, there's been a couple of times where there's been some unforeseen circumstances out of my control and people have like messaged me is everything okay Lisa like I, you're a little bit late getting the podcast link up or you know I just want to and that's not like you you're very regimented and you're very methodical, uh, you know, is there a problem? And I think, wow, like, and, and I don't take offense to that because it happens very minusculely and, and, and very uh, infrequently. But when that does happen, that particular situation reinforces to me, wow, these people are really, are counting on me to walk my talk. And, and I give people permission through social media uh, to hold me accountable. And I, cause I use social media as a 3d visionary board. It's not enough for me to just do my own proclamations and declarations and my sticky notes and uh, you know, what it is I fall asleep to every night. That's going to vibe with my subconscious. No, I'm holding everybody else I'm giving everyone else permission to hold me accountable. So if I say this is my goal or this is who I'm looking
looking to aspire to bring on to, to radio. I mean, it took me th- a couple years to get Deepak Chopra. It took me a couple years to get Jack Canfield, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. But what people do know is if Lisa says she's going to do something, and yes, not everything's within her control to make it an automatic yes or a high five or a bullseye or overnight, um, she's not going to give up. She's going to be relentless with that. And so to me, that's part of living fearlessly, which is why I share these stories and these examples in conjunction with my guests of each week. Because sometimes the guests who tune in, they've heard a lot of things said in similar ways, but Given the examples or the metaphors or the analogies that my guest sometimes uses or I use, uh, it tweaks for them. And that's what I get back in the feedback and the testimonials. Okay, light bulb moment. Got it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So going to your books here, Evan, uh, I would be really interested to know, and you don't have to give it all away because, of course, yep. you want to encourage people to uh, you know, purchase your material. But in terms of you know, the 10 success rules, what what do you identify as being the key ones, if not all of them? I mean, feel free to go through sequence and chronological order uh, based on how it's formatted in your book, or if you want to just highlight and, and uh, spend some time on a couple specifically, feel free to do so. Yeah, so what we did with that book, just context for the listeners, uh, my YouTube channel, we profile a lot of successful people from all walks of life, from the Dalai Lama to business leaders to athletes, musicians, all over the place. And uh-huh. so it's interesting to see what they think of success because it's not only from the hard-driving business angle and how common the same uh, rules keep coming up over and over and over again. So I took to 40 people who are the most popular videos that we did on my channel. They have 10 rules each. That's 400 rules. And we looked at what are the ones that come up the most consistently from these ultra high achievers from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the context of the book. So that's what's in that in the book. So uh, the, the number one that comes up most consistently is what we've already talked about. Following your passion, doing the thing that you are excited about. Yes. You have to you have to love the work that you do even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't look like there's a possible outcome, like to start a radio show, as an example, is so much crazy work. You will suck as an interviewer at the beginning. You won't get anybody (laughs) listening. It's just, it's all going to be terrible, which is fine. Like, like when you learn anything, you didn't just step into a car and knew how to drive. Like you learn it, you suck and then you get better. It's fine. It's part of the process. But the only thing that will get you through because you're competing against people who, who love it too is the absolute love. If you don't love the work that you're doing, you will get crushed by the people who actually love it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the most consistent. Um, Another one that came up a lot was having self-awareness, self-awareness to know what you're good at, what you're not good at, what your core values are, where you want to, you know, spend your time, um, Telling yourself you're good at something that you're not uh, is not is never the answer. Mm-hmm. And so the people who win are very self-aware of what their skill sets are and what their values are. And that's what they go all in on. And they don't concern themselves with as much of the rest or they bring on a team to support them. Fantastic. Um, raise, raising your standards is another popular yes, one. Uh, you, just, you just need to believe that you're capable of more. Like you are where you are because of your mindset and your belief system more than anything else. Like Lisa can give you the greatest strategies in the world on how to live fearlessly. But if you don't believe that you can actually go off and do it, then they'll come in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that – I forget how you put it. It was really beautiful at the beginning about God-given birthright or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. It's I like, believe it's my inherent birthright to impart what I consider to be my my mission, my purpose, my goals, my right. skills, my talents. I think that for all of us. Right. But like most people don't believe that. Most people huh. don't think they have a birthright to be amazing. Right. 
And so until you actually believe you're capable of doing the next thing, then you won't go off and do the next thing, even if you get the strategies on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't think you were capable of getting Deepak Chopra or whichever guest you want on your show, you wouldn't have the confidence to reach out. That's even, true. Even if somebody like, hey, at least here's what you do. You got to tweet this person. You got to go to the set. They give you all the tactics that will work, mm-hmm. but you don't believe it. So you won't follow through. And so most people don't feel that they have that birthright. And so, you know, if you need it more, again, listen to Lisa's show every Friday. You're going to get it. Like, <laughs> the more you're around that, like the more you are around those people who think that way, the more it'll start to seep in. And Lisa has one way of saying it and I have one way of saying it. And all these people that she has on have different ways of saying basically the same thing. Yes. Different words, different, different you know, tonality. Uh, somebody might hug you and say it. Somebody might yell at you and say it, but they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so whatever that thing is that you want to have more in your life, you need to surround yourself with it. Beautiful. Wow. You know what? I, I have not paid Evan to endorse me and ramp me up as much as what he is. You are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, this is why you're so successful because you know how to make other people shine uh, and you do it so authentically and, and so beautifully. So I thank you for the extra additional plugging. Really, I do. Well, I um, love it, but, but it's also true. Like It, it is it, true. How many people live in fear? On it? I was pumped when I got the invite. I forget like how we officially connected, but when I saw the title of the show, like this is amazing. Like Lisa is a goddess. This is so this is a gift. <laughs> right? Like even if you sucked at the beginning, like if this was your first episode and you were you were green and had to you know figuring out your questions and all, it's still a gift. It's still amazing. Like the the intent to allow people to have the freedom to express themselves and not live in fear. If you can impact 10 people to do that, man, what a gift you've given those people. Uh, and so I, I'm not I'm not doing it to plug your show. I, I'm doing it to help the audience. Like, and I get it, that. I, right? And I get that. And I see your heart and your spirit, which is exactly why it was very important for me to have you specifically appear as a guest on my show. Because again, Vibe Attracts Tribe. And I really believe in synergistic energies. And just following you for as long as I have and paying attention to your content and what you're all about, I thought, yep, this guy's a perfect fit for my show. I'm going after him too. <laughs> Great. I love it. Yes. Now let's talk about branding for a moment. So of course my my hashtag is living fearlessly. Your hashtag is believe. There's so many different sentiments um, that all interconnect under the umbrella of positivity and empowerment and leadership. Why believe, hashtag believe specifically for you, Evan? So my first book is called Your One Word. I believe everybody has a single most important core value that you can get it down to one word. And when you figure out what that is, it's been a consistent theme throughout your entire life mm-hmm. and will always be forever. Like Lisa at 95 years old is still going to care about living fearlessly. Like this is not going away. Right. <laughs> this is a forever thing. If anything, it'll only be stronger. Like you're only going to care more about it 20 years down the line than today. Uh, and so I think once you discover what your most important core value is, everything becomes easier. Saying no to people who want you to do something that doesn't feel right becomes easier. But when you don't have the awareness to know what your core value is, then you end up living other people's lives and doing the thing that they want you to do instead of what you want you to do because you don't have the courage to stand up. Um, and so I, I believe to be able to figure out what your most important core value is, we have the whole book that goes through the process, but an easy, an easy kind of starting point is just to think about all the things that you've loved in your life. Who was your favorite teacher growing up? You've had a hundred teachers. Who was your favorite teacher and why? What did you learn about your parents? What's your favorite 
song? What's your favorite movie? Which athlete or, or superhero do you look up to and why? And mm-hmm. so for me, Believe has been always a constant theme through my life. I just didn't recognize it. Um, my parents used to tell me, it's why they're on my wall behind me. I'm Evan Castrilli, Carmichael. I can do anything that I want. Love it. And when my old, I have, I'm in a middle child. I have two sisters, uh, one older, one younger. And they always did better than me uh, in school. They would get straight A's and I'd be like B's and C's. I wouldn't be failing, but B's and C's. And so we'd have to have the talk every, every <laughs> report card. Uh, and, and they would always, it would always be a positive one. It would always be, hey, you are Evan Castrilli Carmichael. You, could do, you can do this. You can do anything you want. Um, my favorite movie is Seabiscuit. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. Uh, it's about mm-hmm. this horse that is too small and a jockey that's too big and an owner that has no money and a trainer that's you know, past his prime. And like all of these people who should never be winning and yet they come together and they find a way to win. And it's based off a true story. And I've watched that movie 20, 30 times. And it's this really cheesy, you know, sappy kind of movie. But but it's a belief. Like, why do I like it? It's believe. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so to the vibe tribe comment that Lisa keeps making, when you when you put out what your vibe is and the vibe should be based off of your core value, then you will attract the people who love that about you and want to support you on your mission. And you'll be toxic to the people who don't like that. And that's fantastic. It let is. Them, let them go find their tribe. It's just not with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so aside from your parents who you've cited and some of the pictures of the people who you find inspiring in your office space, Evan, who has been some of your most intangible or tangible mentors, uh, whether they be past, current, or people that you would wish to reach out to and, and bring along for the journey in the future? Sure. So my parents were my biggest role models, not from an entrepreneurship perspective, just how to be a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, believe comes from them, how to treat people. All of that stuff, hard work, you know, comes from them. Uh, apart from that, everybody that I've featured on my channel, I've learned something from. Mm-hmm. And I, I am very poor at reaching out to to human beings and saying, hey, can you mentor me or I have a question for you. Uh, I love learning through what I call aspirational mentors. So people who I've never met or may never meet, mm-hmm. uh, they may have passed on and learning from them. And one of the things that I think people are really poor at is the ability to learn from somebody who doesn't look like them. Yes. Where, like, I have Kanye West up on my wall. There's a lot of hate for Kanye West, and, yes. and deservedly so. But there's also a lot of great things about Kanye West that you can learn from to make you better. Mm-hmm. And if you can only learn from a certain type of person who is a certain gender, a certain skill, skin color, a certain religion, or a certain whatever, then all you've done is box yourself in and yes. limits your learning. And so well, somebody's and I, had, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I think if somebody's had success, you can learn from them. And when you can learn to learn from the person that you hate and take something from them to make you better, then it's game over. That, then you really start to win. Well, and that's expansive thinking too. That's, you know, and again, that's another example. I mean, I love your examples. That's another example of uh, relinquishing fear and embracing what really matters. If you're truly prepared to elevate your game, it's not about mimicking what other people do. Certainly there's going to be characteristics or there's going to be reasons attached to that particular person why you're drawn to them, uh, you know, why in some regards you may want to emulate some of the things that they've done that have been instrumentally successful in their own journey. I get that. Uh, but oftentimes, whether we're talking entrepreneurs or just people 
call it sheep going through life, you know, people think that the only way to stand out is if they absolutely fit in and they, 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 you know, take on the replica of what other people stand for, other people believe, or whatever the catch buzzword or the trendy theme is going on at that particular time. And really, no, you get lost in the background because you're just one of everybody saying the same thing. It's the people who stand out and say something or stand for something, even if it means they're standing alone, but they're so emphatically uh, immersed in the understanding of, of why that's their truth. And particularly if that truth only stands to benefit other people or shift their way of thinking, why would you not want to be in that camp versus the other camp? This is what I don't understand sometimes, particularly, Evan, and I want to pick your brain on this too. You know, we are in an oversaturated industry. We know social media and technology has taken over. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. Like, you know, public figure-wise, people have got the YouTube channels. People are building up their various platforms. Uh, people are connecting left, right, and center. Call it masterminds. Call it webinars. Call it podcasts. Whatever the case may be. Um, now, we also know that there's certain people who seem to be fitting into a so-called leadership role, but don't necessarily embody what people like you and myself would understand true authentic leadership to be. So in terms of discerning people who actually walk the talk, people who have really earned the right to be called a leader, um, what would you say are – what's your definition of leadership? Let's just go there. Wanting the people under you to win more than yourself. Yes. Yeah. And Love sometimes it. it means like they need to be pushed out of the company because it's the worst thing for the company but the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. And do you see within our industry, uh, because, you know, you're interviewing big-scale, top-tier thought leader people as well, people who are known uh, on the global stage just by first name alone. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you believe that um, – who do you believe within all the people that are in that pot of people uh, that really shine, really stand out, really got it right, really love the message, really love what they're doing and can really see the genuine buy-in? Who really has mastered this? Well, so I think there's always room for quality at the top. Yeah. I think I think the cream always rises. And as new platforms come out, uh, at the beginning, there's always going to be a bunch of junk. And, you know, the fact that everybody has a YouTube channel, everybody has Instagram, I don't worry about that if I'm good at what I'm doing. Yeah. I think I think Oprah Winfrey could could change your name and have a sex change and change your voice uh, and do a radio show from nothing and crush it. Yes, Not she because could. of her name brand, but just because of, of the skills that she has. Mm-hmm. One of the most frustrating things for me is that I think a lot of the people who have the skill sets uh, are on the wrong platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did an interview. We had uh, Jay Abraham on the channel. We had David Bach on the channel. Um, for those of you who don't know David Bach, like this guy sold 10 million books. He's he's the guy uh, on on personal finance. Like he he has decades of wisdom and experience. And I had him on my channel, and, and nobody knew who he was. Wow. Uh, same thing with Jay Abraham. Like this guy's teaching Tony Robbins about marketing, and nobody yes. knows who he was. Um, we tried to do a collab with um, Jim Rohn's estate. And they said no. Uh, and like who knows – nobody knows who Jim Rohn is anymore. Oh, I listen to Jim Rohn every night. Yeah, but I love Jim Rohn. If I did a Jim Rohn, like nobody knows – this generation coming up has no idea who Jim Rohn is. Right. Because they're on the – he's in the book platform. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or the DVD platform. Mm-hmm. He's not in the YouTube Instagram platform. 
So even someone who's teaching leadership like um, John Maxwell. Yeah. He's 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 a leadership guy. He's got all the books, he's got all the courses, he's got all the he's still doing the training seminars and the live speaking. His YouTube channel is okay. His Instagram I haven't seen. Maybe it's there, but I, I doubt that it's very good. Uh, not because he doesn't have the knowledge, just because he's based on the wrong platform. And mm-hmm. so you have somebody who, you know, is an Instagram expert and then rises to be this, you know, twenty five year old leadership expert who who might be dishing some good knowledge, but basically taking what John Maxwell came up with and repackaging it as opposed to having John Maxwell on the platform sharing the wisdom and knowledge. And so part of what I'm doing is trying to give these guys more exposure uh, and get them on my channel so that people know who they are. Uh, That's lovely of you. But but, but, but I understand why that's important. I get that. I, I get why you would want to showcase these people because, yes, I mean, their principles and uh, their legacies are, are, you know, untouchable. These are people whose legacies will continue for people who, like you and I, sponge this stuff up all the time in the ways in which it's helped us, uh, again, with the trajectory of our own paths. So, yeah, why would we not want to continue to share the wealth with other people who, as you say, new generations coming up would be none the wiser. So I think it's good that you take the time out to take those things into account because, yeah, these are hidden gems for our upcoming generation. We need to get that out there. So good for you, Evan. Now, I want to switch over to your YouTube channel. Like, please share with us, how do you get it to explode the way it has for you? Like, I know that a lot of that's you. That's your personality. That's your consistency with content. You know, it's the legitimate, authentic buy-in. But how do you get those numbers? Because I've got people on different platforms who love my stuff. And I'm still, you know, it, it not long ago uh, rebranded the YouTube channel and trying mm-hmm. to grow those numbers. How do you do it? Because I know there's people who totally believe in living fearlessly. I know people, if they could see my stuff and for whatever reason they can't um, or haven't as of yet. But how do, you, how do you get it to be where it's at for you? Like this is, you're just killing it. Yeah, so if it's if it's general advice to people who are listening, then first off, you you need to be good. Like you have to create good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I don't I have 1.3 million subscribers right now. People say I deserve to have 10 million subscribers. I don't. Like I'm not good enough. My content's not good enough. My team isn't good enough. I'm not good enough on camera. Like we're not good enough to deserve 10 million subscribers. But we are good enough to to deserve 1.3 million. You know, like we, we do a lot of work and it's really good content. I think I, I think I have the best channel on the internet. You know, I think you got to love your stuff. Like I think you should think your show is the best show on the internet. Uh, so for a lot of people, they, they think that they're, they're better than they are. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. It's just having that awareness and then making it better. You know, when you were talking about how you didn't put out a, uh, a show or a newsletter, people wrote in to say, hey, Lisa, like what happened? Where's the show? Yeah. That's a sign that you're making good stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like I think for a lot of people, if they didn't put out a newsletter uh, one week, I don't think anybody would write to say, hey, where's the newsletter? Right. Because the stuff they're sending is garbage just for now. It doesn't mean you can't get better. It's just it's not good yet. And yeah. so putting in the work to get actually really good at your craft mm-hmm. is super important. You never win by being average. Uh, for you specifically, I would say you just need more content. Like once a week to win mm-hmm. on YouTube isn't enough. 
Right. Well, I just want to clarify. So it's the, the newsletter that we just, my team and I, this has been a work in progress. We've just got the newsletter and everything through AWeber up and going. Yeah. I'm talking about the weekly podcast because I'm now going into my fourth year of doing this and people know yeah. it's fairly like clockwork. So when the podcast wasn't uploaded as quickly as what it normally is following the live show, people are like messaging me, where's the podcast link? I had yeah. to work today. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. So no, I, I think I you could. I think you could crush YouTube. I think every video, every interview you do should be video. I think right? the people who learn through audio only are limited con- compared to people who learn through video. Mm-hmm. Just visual, visual versus auditory. Most people are visual. So get. I don't. I mean, I'm sitting here in my office. You're wherever you are. Just set up a little studio. Uh, you know, d- have some intention beyond behind the set design, mm-hmm. and get a get a Logitech webcam and and make it a video. And put that up on YouTube. Uh, I think that's a great starting point. I don't know what you're posting, but if it's just the audio, it's mm-hmm. nobody wins with just audio on YouTube. Like none of the big podcasters have taken off just by posting an audio format file. Right, right. So you need to go video. Like if you look at, um, I don't pay attention to podcasting at all, but uh, like Lewis Howes, been on his show. Yeah, he makes he makes video, and now it's high quality. Now it's a team and multiple cameras and angles and all that stuff, but but at the beginning, he's just still making videos, and he uses the pod, the audio for his podcast, which is still where he's the biggest on, but making more intention around the YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, by turning all of these into actual video interviews instead of – if you want to win on any platform, you have to think about that platform first. If you're well, thinking – yeah. I, I, I do live streams all the time, so we're kind of backfilled because I've been doing live streams for quite some time now, like years. And so my team and I are just catching up with uploading the live streams because it's all pertinent to the content that I am passionate and want to get out there in terms of empowering other people to empower themselves, all, of course, with under the umbrella of living fearlessly. So it's just a matter of catching up with getting all of those uploaded, but we're also taking the podcast link of each show. And so, I mean, I interviewed Damon John from Shark Tank. Uh, I believe we got that uploaded. I've got Jack Canfield, you know, creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, Empire. Um, So, you know, this is where we're going. Um, But in terms of being connected to the radio platforms, I mean, some of these things are out of my control because this is systematically how things are done, Uh, not necessarily by my choosing. um, But this is why I try to keep various platforms because I do understand the visual component. I too am very much a visual person. So really all I can do at that point uh, to remain consistent with what I'm doing is uploading my live streams to YouTube. And that's kind of where I'm going. But yeah, there's, there's so many different avenues and and possibilities and things that I'm open to. Where are you doing recording live streams? Is it a YouTube live stream, Facebook live stream? Facebook. Okay. So is you that, do a Facebook live stream? Um, <laughs> no, no. I, again, it comes down to like how good is the content, how mm-hmm. good is Lisa on her own, uh, and answering questions from the audience versus the back and forth with the Damon John or whoever. Yeah. Um, and that's just an honest self-assessment. Like, is this really good con- content or not, or or can we cut it? You know, are there moments that we should really cut down and edit so it's not just a live like all the way through with, you know, there's this periods that shouldn't be in there yeah um live streaming on youtube is a great for audience building but it doesn't typically rank well after the videos already been put up so it's okay. not a great um strategy for our audience growth okay uh and then if it's quality content just do more like i do three videos a day wow so 
I don't know what the backlog is on your team. Like to, to download a file from Facebook and upload it to YouTube and make a thumbnail and a title is not a difficult process. If mm-hmm. they're editing the video down to it's like a 40 minute live stream, and it ends up being a 20 minute YouTube video. Great. That's more work. Mm-hmm. But it, I, whatever schedule you're on, uh, if it's good, people can handle more. So if you're posting once a week, like I'm looking at how do we take the Lisa brand and make it a daily YouTube video? Okay. Well, let's talk about the process for your YouTube. So what is it that you do? What goes into orchestrating it to, to be, you know, get the numbers that you're getting? And for me, it's not just about the numbers, but more importantly, the numbers are indicative with where your message is landing. And because I'm on a mission to reach as many people as I can using every possible platform available to me as possible, because my purpose is to uplift people to fear less and to live more. So when I see big numbers associated with anything that I'm doing, that is more indicative to me than the number itself. Okay, that's how many people I've reached. That's how many people understand where I'm coming from. Maybe it's, it's taught them something. It's shifted. It's, it's been cathartic. It's been transformational, however you wish to characterize it. Mm-hmm. So this is where I'm going. So how do you get the numbers, which again are indicative of knowing that that's where your message has landed? That's who's resonating with you. What, yep. what, are your, what, do you, what do you do? So I think you're in a great starting point because you have a great message yourself. You're not mm-hmm. just a talking head that is interviewing people and you're relying on Damon John to give you quality content. Like there's a lot in your own head. You have a powerful mission and message that you can then create tons of content around as well. That's great. That's something that a lot of people don't have. They're just mm-hmm. relying on their guests. So you've got that. So what I'll be looking at doing is now you need to test a whole bunch of different series and see what lands. So mm-hmm. as an example, the live stream is one series. Great. Uh, and Facebook and then put it on YouTube. Fine. Your guests are another series. I would make those videos whenever possible. Awesome. Mm-hmm. What else can you do? I'd be looking at, can I do a Lisa vlog that follows you around once a week and whatever you're doing during your day and that can become content. I look at doing a morning rant of the day, like Lisa's you know, take on whatever, the state of the union on this, whether it's something trending in the news, if you have opinions on what Trump is doing now and you want to talk about living fearlessly through that, <laughs> or just you're you're thinking, well, there's a lot. Like if you can yes. talk about trending topics, if you have opinions on that, that's a great way to scale up. Um, or if it's just you talk about um, a personal story of yours or a client or a, a, a comment on the show, uh, just Lisa's take. Like you just mm-hmm. sit in front of the camera and you talk for five to ten minutes about something. And and so what you want to do is you've got a lot of great content. You've got a, a lot of great messaging in your head. You got a great, a lot of knowledge that people can really, really learn from. And so getting that out in different formats, like those five different examples we just came up with. And mm-hmm. then you see, you do three of each and you see what resonates. Maybe people love the live stream, but they don't like the vlog. Or they mm-hmm. love the Lisa in the morning, like ranting about something, but they don't like your views on, on what Trump is doing. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then you just, you pay attention and then you pick, you go with the ones that are working. It, it's always a mix of what you love doing with where there's a market. It has to be the both, right? Okay. okay. So I just, I just don't think you're doing enough variety of okay. different ways to pull out the information. Like maybe you do a call-in show mm-hmm. and test that and people call in asking about their fears or you take somebody who's local to you and they come in and meet with you and for half an hour about their fears and you do an intervention or help walk them through how to come off the ledge and, and figure out the problems for their, like just so many different ways that you could help people Mm-hmm. And so if you increase the experimentation, I would do three of each of those kinds of those 
three of each of those kinds of ideas and then start paying attention to the numbers and saying, okay, like those interventions really work. Great. You could do those all day long, right? Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough for that, Evan, because I know not only did I get a lot of value out of listening to you, and I, I've been taking notes, and of course, once this goes, uh, you know, released and calibrated to the podcast, I can always, as I always do, I play it back because I'm not on, I'm not in the host role. I'm now sponging up what my guest has had to say and I take so much away from that so many breakthroughs and takeaways so just being cognizant of time unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up here but that's not to say that you're not welcome back here anytime you're an amazing guest Uh, I really I really appreciate and respect everything that you're doing to pay it forward and to be of service I absolutely love hashtag believe I love all your content I think you're doing amazing things so I just want to once again thank my listening audience for taking time out of their schedule to join myself and Evan Carmichael here today Evan very quickly where can people find you and find your books and everything else uh, books Amazon is probably the easiest place just look for Evan Carmichael and then for me YouTube's my home but uh, most of the social networks I'm on, Evan Carmichael's the name. You can go find it. Super. Okay. Thank you. So again, I just want to thank you for being now one over half a million uh, living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers. Certainly couldn't do it without you. I appreciate all the feedback and the testimonials. Uh, I certainly want to thank once again my corporate sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself and my guest of each week and the content that we deliver globally. I want to thank C-Suite Radio Network, where of course, following the live show, you will find the interview on the podcast link uploaded as well to my host page living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald again c-suite radio network so i want to wish you all a fantastic weekend we're going to be back here next friday as we always are 8 a.m pacific 10 o'clock central 11 eastern i'm uplifting you here to fear less and to live more and to have a phenomenal weekend love and gratitude take care bye-bye you've been listening to living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.